Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders. And with me, Rachel Gardner. We have got that down to an art now, I think. There's a, there's a, the first time we did it, there was like an eight second pause <laughs> as we recorded that on Zoom. But I think it's good to have a little pause after yeah. you introduce yourself, just to kind yeah. of acknowledge who's in the room. So we're now going to give a two second pause. Lovely listener, insert your name here. Beep. There we go. We now know everyone's listening. That's, That's brilliant. That was, that was <laughs> we're, brilliantly we're now done. Connecting. Because we all know that via Zoom, we can't just we can't just be communicators. We've got to be connectors. Oh, so wow. you're connected in. This oh is my it. goodness! Someone's been to a webinar. I've had a week off. I've had to fill my brain with some stuff. Oh, well done you. You you did. Oh. You had a week off, didn't you? What did you do in your week off, Rach? It coincided with the most brilliant sunshine. So although my lovely dear husband couldn't take time off because of running the Love Your Neighbour project here, it meant that I could, uh, and because we now like the easing of lockdown, so we actually spent most daylight hours in Blackpool. Me and the kids ah. in Blackpool. <laughs> so amazing so hot massive beaches so you could you know, socially distance doesn't matter if you're near toilets because you're near the sea for your children are potty training you know nice. you spot all the parents they're doing that too so um that's great it's really good i wonder where you were going with that whole thing so uh, so look we'll um we'll talk we'll talk more about uh the general kind of stuff we've been observing over the last couple of weeks in youth ministry but there's one um kind of massive thing that we need to address uh right up front today um and so um of course you know we've all been um incredibly kind of captivated by the uh the protests and uh all the stuff that's been happening particularly in america but also in the uk uh around the black lives matter movement and the death of george floyd um and uh yeah kind of all all that goes with that and so um it would be remiss of us not to uh, uh, talk about that today. I know many of us will be talking about this with our young people in various forms, uh, but also it's a key subject for us to get honest about mm. as leaders. Um, and so, Rach, you have uh, done an interview today with someone yes. absolutely brilliant on this subject. Yes, absolutely brilliant. And that's also one of the main reasons that we're sticking this interview up front as well. We think there's so much wisdom in what our lovely guest James shares. And I think absolutely, as youth practitioners, as Christian leaders, any issue of injustice and inequality is absolutely on our hearts. And it's an ongoing conversation, whether it's gender injustice or racial injustice. It's, it's so important that we don't just have these conversations at flashpoints. But it's also really important that when actually there is something specific that's happened that's really focused society's mind on it, that actually as a, as a Christian community, we reflect and we listen to voices that can help us to really understand what's going on and what God might be calling us to do. Um, and this is wonderful James, who I heard a few weeks ago speaking. Sit back and listen to the great wisdom. Really appreciate your grace in, um, mm. in chatting with us now. Thank That's you. Good. So tell us, like, who are you and, mm. and how's lockdown going for you? So, um, yeah, my name's James Adu. Um, and um, um, I'm a married man. I'm, I'm privileged and married to um, Naomi Adu. We've got a little baby boy who's going to be one next week called Micah. And um, I guess for the, for the last 10 years, I've had the privilege of being um, involved in, in ministry. Um, so um, 
yeah, I've been a youth minister in Tollington, North London. I was a youth minister at a church called St. Mark's Tollington Parish. I was there for six years. And then the Lord called us to Hounslow, um, where I was a community minister. So that was um, overseeing the youth ministry, but also um, uh, involved in running like the community mission projects at the church. So there was a homeless drop-in and there was, um, we did some street evangelism as well and a young adults um, service. And then, um, so, so that's, that was, I was in that role for like four years. And then, um, yeah, recently the Lord has called me into a, a totally different space, actually. So in some ways related, but he's called me out of the church walls, in a, so to speak. I, I run a coaching company now, Amazing. which um, works predominantly in the education sector, working with students and the passionate practitioners that work with them. Um, so that's, that's what I've been amazing. up to um, of more recently. In that's terms amazing. of how... Lockdown, yeah, how's lockdown going? <laughs> yeah, how lockdown life has been. It's been quite intense, to be fair. Um, a lot of what we do, we go into schools, actually. Um, some of the schools that we work with in, in Luton, actually, which is <gasps> quite Amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We love coming up to Luton. Um, so, yeah, lockdown's been, it's been battle, battle and blessing, you know, um, a lot of adjusting. I'm, I'm, I'm the sort of type that I'm, I'm quite all right with spontaneity and having to free, I was, I was saying it's a whole lot of freestyling and faith. Freestyling and faith. Yeah, I'm telling you. So by God's grace, we were able to kind of just like almost like readjust to the changes and stuff. And we've got like online resources as well. So um, it just meant focusing in on that. Um, so yeah, in, in that respect, yeah. it's been okay. But I guess, I guess it's been quite challenging. Actually. Yes. You know, it's, it's, there's definitely moments where you're like, wow, this is quite intense. This is a global pandemic and it has a bearing on how we know life to be you absolutely. know absolutely um, and I um it was a lovely moment for me when um I've, I've heard you speak recently and was just so moved by how you spoke and then I suddenly realized worlds collide that I know your wife yeah. and I know your wife because of her passion around empowering particularly girls and young women yeah. and the coaching yeah. thing and it's so lovely thinking God's put the two of you together yeah, you're yeah, dynamo yeah. that's amazing <laughs> so um so you just talked about the global pandemic and just like we're all in the same storm not yeah. in the same boat but you very graciously have agreed to come and chat with us on the podcast mm. today because there's something else that is yes. unfolding which obviously mm. is an ongoing conversation and we want to say that right up at the beginning this is mm. an ongoing conversation but because of the issues with the death of George Floyd and the subsequent unrest across America and around mm. the world and mm. um, we just wanted you to call them, could you chat with us how are you approaching mm. what you're hearing at the moment we're filtering it through Twitter and social yeah. media and American yeah. views but how are you yeah. approaching what you're hearing yeah so in regards to what I'm hearing um, with the, the George Floyd um, situation I think to be fair that there's an element of giving myself like space and time to process um, pain and hurt um, and frustration and, and, and a sense of fatigue I think this is all very um, important to be fair I think um, there is definitely a sense of like how can this how how can we be um, almost like presumably so far down the line and still have same issues like this still presiding in such a way um, globally? So there's definitely a, a, a frustration that is there and a, and 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 a, and an anger, if I was to be honest, that um, in terms of the way in which he was he was killed, the circumstances in which he was killed. But um, I think. Ultimately, I think that's to be processed 
through the lens of of the fact that um, the scripture says that you know the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives in us. So I feel like the gospel hope for, it moves one towards the trajectory of what does hope look like? What does redemption look like? What does restoration and reconciliation look, look like in the midst of this particular conversation and this problem? So that's where I'm at, just processing it, but then prayerfully moving towards, okay, in light of who Jesus is, in light of who I am in him, how would he have me respond in a way that honours God, basically? Amazing. And you've introduced some really big themes there of Mm. hope, redemption, Mm. incarnation. That's powerful. Mm. So you... People listening to you are, are like me, youth workers, youth practitioners. Some of us work in a church setting, some in schools, people of her units. Some of us work in, um, you know, all across the UK where maybe we feel this, this situation feels a little more removed because the demographic that we're in. For others, yeah. this is absolutely the world we're in. How, how as youth workers can we approach what we're hearing? What would you, what would you want to say to us? How can we filter this and understand it? Yeah, I think a helpful thing. So if I was to look at it from the perspective of youth workers in the church, I think contextually help. Like, so if we're looking at youth work in the church, I think there's a helpful thing would be around your demographic, basically, and the locality where you're in. So I think there's in somewhat some implications for churches that might be in more of an area that might be a predominantly white area in com- in contrast to a multicultural area and and that being reflected within the youth ministry um, so for instance if I was if I was to think back for instance to this um, where I was a youth minister in North London in, in Islington um, uh, I know that the, the demographic of the youth that I was serving in the church it was to be fair there was predominantly um, it was quite multi it was mixed um, but there was a strong demographic of young black boys. Um, I think for myself, it's about, I w- if I was still there now, I'll be thinking about how do I create prayerful spaces where young people can process where they're at. Um, so that's what I'll be. So I'll be probably thinking about doing a youth session related to, um, it's just like the lament songs, isn't it? You know? We see in the Lament Psalms um, where they, they start off with a trajectory of frustration and anger and, and lament, but oftentimes they don't end there. Um, oftentimes they find themselves orientating towards praise. And I would probably think, okay, how can I create spaces for young people to lament, but then also to look to the hopes that we have in Christ that transcend um, some of the tragedies that we're having to contend with, but creating quite honest spaces um, where they can process this um, would be a, a key thing that I would think about. Um, if I was, funnily enough, I just got off the phone um, earlier on to a friend who leads a youth ministry um, in, in West London in a predominantly white area. And he was asking me, you know, James, you know, what, how do we respond, you know? And again, I, I, um, I was just encouraging them around the role of prayer. I think the role of prayer is deeply significant. I think it's deeply significant. But then, um, but then, um, but praying with a heart of, okay, 
how might God be calling us to respond? Um, I think what's interesting is when we look at things that have taken place, it definitely brings up, okay, what has the church's role been in in, relate, in, in regards to race relations? And then unfortunately, in some instances, we, we find that actually the church's role hasn't been as admirable as we would want. In fact, sometimes it's moved from compliance to being actively involved. So when I had the conversation with my friend, um, essentially, I was encouraging him to think about praying into what it would look like for the Lord to use him and his ministry to pioneer a new narrative for the church's role in relation to this conversation. Unfortunately, there's um, many church denominations um, that have a very horrid history when it comes to race relations, whether that be some wings of the Baptist church or the Anglican church. Yeah. But, um, and, and, and this is a significant part of the conversation. I don't think it can be skipped over in all honesty. Um, but then quite equally, there is always, we're always start. There's, there's still always going to be the pressing question of in light of that, what do we do now? Mm. And I think actually as, as hard as it is, there is still an opportunity for youth ministers and for young people to prayerfully seek God and say, Lord, how do we carve a new groove that mm. it looks more like the kingdom of earth um, mm. and kingdom of heaven touching yeah. earth, you yeah. know, and, and genuinely praying into that. So, yeah, those yeah. are just some initial thoughts as to... Yeah. That's so powerful and so helpful. And I guess... Um, one of the things, just chatting with a few of my friends in, in this area, in the Northwest, where we're not as, multi, I, I've come from North London, that's much more multicultural than currently mm-hmm. where I'm serving. Um, and engaging young people here with this is really interesting. I'm questioning what is my role to agitate where I'm not seeing young people really clocking what this really means right, for yeah. their friends or for others of either community. Mm-hmm. What are some of the pitfalls that you would love to see the church and particularly Christian youth workers mm-hmm. avoid? I think, I think so many of us are so conscious that there are a multiplicity of ways we could get this wrong. We yeah. could be tokenistic. Yeah. We could, you know, every um, inequality issue, like gender inequality, mm-hmm. we tend to only talk about mm-hmm. you know, gender inequality when it's suddenly something mm. happens on news and we need to be talking about it all the time. So, mm. so what are some of the things that we need to avoid yes. to, to prevent us from being tokenistic or to be um, responding in a way that is patronising or, or mm. kind of you not elevating the right voices? Could you give yeah. us some of your thoughts around yes, that? Yes, 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 yes. So I think a key thing, is, yeah, I think the first one I'll go for is around tokenism. And um, I think with tokenism, a very helpful antidote for tokenism is accountability. You know, it's literally asking yourself um, a month from now, what have we done since the last time we got together and had a conversation? What have we done since the last time we had, um, you know, a prayer meeting about what have we done? So again, when I spoke to my friend, I was like, why you can literally delegate it to um, someone in the youth group and their role um, for, the, for the foreseeable future is every other month or every other week or once a month, they say, guys, remember there was a time where we were really, you know, enlivened about this particular issue. What have we done since? And then I think literally recording that will paint a picture of where 
the, the level of commitment actually is. And it's not to be done to condemn, it's not to be, but it, it, it paints a, a very real picture of are we actually um, doing what we're saying we're about? Like, I, I remember um, one time um, when we were doing a series on, on Nehemiah, and I came across a pithy quote that said um, he didn't. He didn't act without praying and he didn't pray without acting, you know? And I think actually, you know, that that notion is quite a helpful one to hold. So with um, tokenism, it's like, okay, what have we actually done? It's accountability, I think, which is helpful. In terms of pitfalls, I think a a key thing to avoid pitfalls is what I like to just say, uh, call um, the disposition of a learner. So going into spaces with a heart of, I want to learn. It would it would be great to to just listen, um, similar to what you're doing, creating spaces where narratives can be heard, um, can allow um, opportunities for potential solutions to be to be um, identified. So I think that's a that's a really key key one. But I think a key thing really, um, prayer. <laughs> like I genuinely do believe prayer is key and listening to actual people that are affected by some of these issues and just seeking the Lord as to, Lord, you know, are, are you calling us to actually respond to this? And then that ties into another thing that I'm quite intentional about where it's like, um, it's, I think it's very important for youth ministries to theologically reflect, should we care about this? Should we actually care about this? Like it would literally be, it can literally be taught like laying out the facts of what took place and asking a youth group, what do you think Jesus <laughs> thinks about this? Um, and, and why, you know? And what you've got there is theological reflection about a very important and contextual issue. So literally, I think encouraging the church encouraging youth ministries and youth ministers to theologically reflect on these issues and and ask themselves okay so so what am i called to do then um i think is a key thing that can help um it would definitely help around the whole um potential pitfalls of apathy um yeah that's amazing. That's so good. The three things that you mentioned there, which um, I think we just need to capture, is, is prayer. Yes. You call it the disposition of a learner. So actually, yes. it's okay if in this space we feel unsure what to say. Mm. Actually, allow that to let us lean in and shut up and listen. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then I love that the theological reflection that actually mm. we respond. You know, there are going to be times where we will need to we'll res- respond from a point of rage. You've talked yeah. about your anger and, and yeah. the anger that we feel. And there are times when that is absolutely what will drive us. But behind yeah. it needs to be, as you say, this, yeah. the- this robust theological reflection. That is so yeah. powerful, James. Thank you. Yeah. I can just hear people listening to this going, oh, you know, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And yeah. the last question, really, because I'm conscious that you need to go. You're incredibly busy. And we're so yeah. grateful for this window to chat with you today. Yeah. But, but what for you... Mm. are the signs of hope I, I love it that you your background is you know education of young people you've been a youth worker you've lived this life you've mm. you know, trained in ordination what 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 for you as you look across a really messed up world at the moment mm. but a world that Jesus loves what what are the signs of hope for you it's a good question what are the signs of hope I think there's opportunities so when I was studying theology I came across um a particular um, missiologist called Timothy Tennant 
and he said his hope, one thing that he, he wrote a book and in the book he, he literally writes that the hope for this book is that as a church, he, he says we expand what he called our ecclesiastical cartography. And that was just like a really snazzy way of saying our scope, basically. And I think there's an opportunity for youth ministers to bring in um you know, the um, theological reflections from the global church. Um, you know, when I was a youth, when I was a community minister in West London, we had someone on the team that had planted 200 churches in India, you know, literally um, absolute legend and had gone through so much. Um, and um, he had so much to offer. He had so much to bring, you know, one of the most talented and gifted um, uh, evangelists that I knew was, was a local boy from Hounslow, you know, and he had so much to offer. So I think actually um, there's the signs of hope I see is the opportunities that are there for youth ministers to um, expand um, the, the theological um, and the cultural representation of how we do what we do. And I think in doing so, there's an opportunity in a sense for the younger generation to even serve as a prophetic witness to the wider generation. So I think that I definitely see as a sign of hope. I think a key thing is that we thank God that um, for the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, and that actually, you know, as the Lord um, has sent his spirit and he sent us, it means that we... Are we, as the scripture says, we're called to be ambassadors. Um, so, what does it look like for us to to be these ministers of reconciliation? What does it mean for us to be ambassadors and and prayerfully working that out? You know, as we know, central to the faith, you know, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and being a people that have this as an intrinsic element of our narrative, this has a bearing on the challenges that we see. We serve a risen saviour um, who conquered the grave. So I believe that he can conquer some of these divisions that we have constructed and created. So a prayerful church, a prayerful church that has a soft heart, um, that it can be moved and shaped by God, but a willingness to roll up their sleeves, um, a willingness to be a prophetic voice and not just be complicit and compliant with that which is, you know, conducive with corruption. That sort of church gives me hope. That gives me a lot of hope. The sort of church that says, actually, how do I represent Christ well? We're not experts, but we want to work this out and we want to, we want to kneel, we want to pray and we want to act. That for me is powerful because it means it's got a bearing as to when the church gather and it's got a bearing as to when we scatter and, and, and can truly be salt and light um, in this time. Thank you, James. Thank you, Rachel. Tremendous vision. Tremendous interview. Well done. Um, I think it's really important to restate what you said before the interview, Rachel, that if we're really serious about this, if we're really serious about racial justice inside and outside the church, actually, then, um, then it's going to need us to um, give more of our attention uh, all year round rather than 
at the moment when something happens in the news that galvanizes people's attention. And I think, you know, it's great to see lots of people coming out and showing support and solidarity in various ways. And it's all a bit clumsy, isn't it? Let's be honest. We're all going to make mistakes. Um, I think people know when your heart is genuine. Um, but it's got to happen more consistently than just in response as, you know, as we rise up as activists to some injustice. It's got to be a, a longer term recognition of the systems of sin and injustice in our world and our culture. And therefore, you know, I find it really hard. I'll be honest with you. I find it really hard to know what to say because my instinct is to, is to not say anything because, um, because I actually think it's not my place to, uh, as a white man, to, to try and explain how black people are feeling right now. Yeah. Um, and so my instinct is just to amplify. I mean, by amplify, I usually mean retweet, yes. uh, you know, or, or <laughs> repost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody who actually lives and breathes and knows that experience firsthand. Yes. But also yes. I'm aware that when I do that, you know, people will say, why aren't you saying anything? Um, why, why are you, you perhaps you're demonstrating that you don't really care about this and so this is where we have to take a long-term approach all of us need to have that long-term track record actually but I, I think I love what James said about Nehemiah and he said he, he, he never prayed without acting and he never acted without praying yeah. and I think what I came away with from the interview from James was thinking yes of course in the moment because I'm, I'm angry I'm raging I know my anger is you know it might be different to somebody else's and I and I'm not going to be posting about my anger because but I, but I do feel angry and I feel the injustice and I feel yeah. the pain um but also I love what he said about well pray Rachel if that's what you feel pray and then act and then pray and then act and I loved his idea about making you holding yourself accountable the way to not be token is to be accountable I think mm -hmm. there's so much wisdom there about moving forward with them um, grace and with hope so James thank you so much again yeah. that was just tremendous amazing um Rachel let me just ask you one more question on so just as we segue to talking about um uh the highs and lows of our recent youth ministry experiences because <laughs> yes. I've got some I've got some big lows this week I've got some big oh, lows no. oh yeah oh. Um, but, but have you found this is an issue that you have, um, immediately sensed young people getting passionate about talking about is that, have you, uh, sensed a need to respond to young people, you know, immediately about this? Cause, cause actually I found, um, you know, and I live in a, a very, very white dominated, um, area, um, uh, you know, young people wanted to talk about that this week. And we actually ended up changing what we were going to do uh, with our youth group this week to actually have a young person uh, pose a question and for us as youth leaders to try and speak into it a little yes. bit. Um, so uh, what about your experience? So I, I want to share my experience without in any way making it sound like I'm shaming the young people that I'm thinking of. Yeah. I, I've been shocked by how little they have engaged in this mm. um, and how it really hasn't come up. And I've, a couple of times I've wanted to agitate a bit and say, can I just double check that you know what's happening out in the world? Um, and, I, and I don't quite know what it is, whether it's a combination of the group that I'm being with this week are a much younger youth group, so yeah. possibly aren't actually accessing a lot of social media outside of their parents' kind of 
oversight or whatever. Um, and so actually might generally not be aware of it. Whereas I think in North London, only a year ago, a similar age group would have been absolutely finger on the pulse with this. This is live. Mm. This is the communities they come from. Um, and I would have been doing a lot of sitting and listening. Whereas I felt this last week, I've been wanting to prod a bit and say, no, no, you need to know. Here's the link. <laughs> like mm. you actually need to be informed of what's going on. So I think I'm still processing how I feel about that because that saddens me. But I'm also conscious that there's many reasons why young people in the Northwest, in Preston, in, in the period of social isolation and lockdown might not be quite grasping what's going on. And here's, here's an interesting challenge. Do, do young people, as we engage young people, do we have to apply the same rules of you need to understand all the ins and outs here? Or is actually the fact that their heart is willing, they want to see mm. change, they recognise injustice, is that enough? And is mm. it therefore great that young people, even though I, it's, it would have been wrong for me, fully understanding the issues or understanding them a bit more, to have changed my Instagram to a black square, is it wrong mm. for young people to do that when actually they are trying to demonstrate something really positive? And if enough of them ask for the St Mary's Reigate Insta official account to become yeah actually to represent how they're feeling yeah what who's that is so, it is so interesting isn't it mm. it's it's absolutely fascinating because i think I, I suppose it's okay sorry if this sounds really clunky and completely irrelevant but it's similar to the kind of conversations around sexual health like good better best yeah. like we, we fully appreciate that most of the time when we are adolescents we don't jump to the best decision mm. we just make the one that is the, the right stretch it's the stretch in the right direction yeah. Um, and actually our role as those in their lives want to kind of amplify that growth is we say that starting stepping stone is brilliant. Let's now help you move to the next one and the next one. And let me introduce you to the idea that actually all the wonderful women in scripture that you love are women of color. Like mm. let that be the next thing. And, and then the next thing is that, you know, lots of the great church fathers who we quote actually are from North Africa and they're not all white men and, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And using that as a starting point, I think, means that we can then say to, that actually this is an opportunity for young people I work with who live in a community that don't encourage them to think like that, that they're taking that leap. That, that's what I'm when thinking about here. How do I mm. do that a little bit here um, yeah. with our community here? Because it's so... It's so important, isn't it? So, mm. For this to open us up to the, the beautiful, rich diversity of the body of Christ and to get angry and dissatisfied when we don't see that replicated in our church life. Yeah. That, you know, we want yeah. our young people dissatisfied with that. We're demonstrating, yeah. <laughs> we're demonstrating perfectly here that we, we are still learning. We, we are, are still, still listening. Learning. And we mean that as individuals yeah. and as an organisation. But we've got, mm. we have got so far to go. So we are not, dear listener, in any way claiming that we are no, um, no. any further ahead on this you know we are we are also taking this as a moment to uh to refocus redouble our efforts mm. and uh, and commit ourselves to uh it, it pro it proactively being an anti-racist organization mm. but we acknowledge Absolutely. our own racism and brokenness so we may not say very much more today about this actually because james has said everything but we have to keep talking about this this needs to yes. stay at the forefront well look, i i did want to talk to you about one other thing which is that um is that yesterday i i experienced a youth work nightmare have you ever heard of that sort of franchise you know the play that goes wrong the uh yes. you know the show that goes wrong all of that yes. stuff this was the youth group that goes wrong 
So it just unraveled from start to finish. It was amazing. So uh, regular listeners will be aware that what we're doing uh, is quite complicated. We have a technical wizard in our um, in our congregation. Uh, he's about twelve, and he basically has figured out how to make these beautiful uh, setups on YouTube, where we zoom in from different locations and then we broadcast on on YouTube each week. Um, and it's 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 gone okay. Um, but there's lots of moving parts and, and this week it was like one spring came out of the machine and suddenly there were cogs and screws flying everywhere and the whole thing, it was brilliant. I mean, it was brilliant to watch as a one-off, I think. So for a start, you know, just as we were about to, just as we were about to start, Zoom crashed. So we're like, okay, well, okay, we've got it out of the way. That's fine. So then we, then we rebooted, um, then, um, then we had a, a bizarre scenario where somehow a young person had got hold of our, of our secret Zoom link. And so on live on YouTube, one of our presenters disappeared and was replaced by a 12 year old who looked absolutely <laughs> horrified. He's like, wait, wait a minute. What, why am I on? Why can't I see you? He, oh, he was no. clicking a link to get into the live stream and he actually clicked a link to get into the, um, into oh, the studio, yeah. as it were. Oh, it's, no. We're still not quite sure how that happened. Um, so, you know, that may be my safeguarding fail of the, of the term. Um, and then, and, like, what happens when you knock them off that? Like, yeah, we just you, threw him out. Yeah, we just threw him straight out. out. Get out! <laughs> and, then, uh, and then, meanwhile, there was um, then an interloper appeared on the YouTube comments and started posting loads no. of mean kind of no. comments on the sidebar, which we weren't even aware of because we were trying to no. pull this thing together. Our online quiz, um, which uh, we run through something called Kahoot, um, loaded up with all these fake names. So we'd got hacked yeah. in some way, um, who all have weird, really weird names. So just everything, everything that could have gone wrong was going wrong. And then towards the end, my internet started cutting out. So I was trying to give quite deep and meaningful insights because we start with fun and then we build towards, yeah, you know, build, some it. sense of input. What all young people love. <laughs> and and the, the other presenters would just keep going, no, no, he's gone again. No, no idea what he said. No, didn't get that. And it just, I mean, people were apparently in hysterics in their living rooms watching this. But for me, it was, it, well, it brought me firmly back down to earth. If I thought I was a YouTube star, that's the end of it. That was the youth group that went wrong. But it's just so hard to like, if you were sat virtually, like literally in a space and young people you didn't know walked in and start, you know, you, you can kind of see it, but when it's online, like you can't quite, that's what my, I can't get my mind around. Like what, where is it going wrong? Who, who's left the fire door open? Like I, it's so tough. So I, my tiny version of that is that this week I was leading younger youth and we all start together. And then we get put into groups and the older youth get put into groups and the younger youth get put into groups. I decided I need to go for a wee at that point. <laughs> <laughs> my phone off, went to the loo, came back and realised that somehow what I'd done meant that everyone's groups were in free fall. We had to all come back together. Oh. We had to be re-sent off. And then the, so the whole time I'm the one saying, yeah, sorry, it's me. I went to me. Yeah, sorry, it's me. <laughs> and then by the time I got to the younger youth, that was it. They were just, they were just high as kites. It so, is uh, a very yeah, difficult medium get, to engage <laughs> young people through. I, I think it's really hard work. I long oh. for the era of face-to-face youth work, whatever that now looks like but um i cannot wait to be able to meet young people 
like face to face again because at the moment it, it's getting harder isn't it zoom i think people are a little bit tired of it now yeah and it, interesting because i i read an article that i like spun your way which i knew would oh, yeah. yeah i hated all of it let's talk about yeah, that it's great but one of the things that he does say that i think is quite interesting martin is he says content doesn't need to be new it needs to be good and I suddenly thought, ah, what we're doing in our youth ministry is we're creating new content all the time and we're making sure that every single time it's live. Mm. So it's always, and his interesting comment was a bit more choice, like let people connect into what service they want today, what preach they want today, what kind. And I don't know that I've heard any youth ministry do that. We've tended to do that. We've tended to do online what we do physically, which is gather. Mm. And, and somehow spot who's in the room mm. and kind of tip, tip off their names for good reason, for very good reason. Mm. And, and I've not thought, oh, actually, just almost putting loads of stuff out there and just see how young people make up their, you know, you've got to create their discipleship journey with them. So I, that, I, that was an interesting thought I had that I'd not considered. So anyway. I, so I, you know that um, that article slightly wound me up, but it, I thought it was a very dim uh, view of like the, the way things are going to head into a sort of much more consumeristic yeah. on demand. It's trends, isn't it? That's what yeah. he's writing about. That's what he's trends. saying. He's saying basically yeah. where we're going is it's going to be, we're going to end up being kind of like online, online hubs with a physical home rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're, that's basically what church, the church of the future is going to be online based with a physical building somewhere. And I just, mm. I, I just don't see that. I don't think that's mm. true. The reason we are in this place right now is because of, COVID-19 well once there's a vaccine uh, you know it's mm. it doesn't follow to me that everyone will be like oh technology is brilliant isn't it let's stop meeting physically I don't think that's true mm. and I think the fact that this has enabled people to try out different churches doesn't mean they're now going to spend the rest of their lives trying out different churches I think they'll be exhausted by that I think they've just taken the opportunity to try some different things um, he does an interesting bit of research at the beginning, though, Martin, that I wanted to ask you about, because he is writing from the States, isn't he, yeah. from an American context, so yeah. that's automatically different. Um, and he quotes Barna research, um, obviously we know and love the, um, David Kinnaman and, yes. and the Barna people, but their bit of research says something different to, I think, what we're seeing here. They are seeing that a very large percentage of churchgoers in the States are not, have not connected with any yeah. service online in the last month. Yeah. I don't think we've got anything like that here, have we? Surely all no. of our, like the tier fund report is saying quite the opposite, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. Well, I wonder whether this is a big statement to make about American Christianity, but let's be honest, there are some definite problems with American Christianity. It's pretty obvious from what just happened with the president standing outside a church with the Bible and lots of people piling in to say fantastic. Um, yeah, there are obvious problems with American Christianity. Mm. I wonder whether, um, Conrad Gempf said to me a little while ago, gosh, that sounds like a bit of a name drop, doesn't it? The, the theologian Conrad Gempf said to me uh, a while back that he thought that, um, that actually when the leaves fall off the trees, um, what you end up with is the branches. You get to then see the branches and the branches are still there and they're still as strong as ever. It's just that the leaves have fallen off. And that doesn't mean that the plant is, or the, the tree is dead. The, the whole thing's still there. It's just that the sort of shiny bits have fallen off. And, and I wonder whether in the UK, maybe the leaves have fallen off a little bit. And those that are at church in the main, in this post-Christendom context that we find ourselves, are going to be, you know, less nominal, more committed. Mm. Whereas in a, in a still fairly Christian culture like America, there's an mm. awful lot more nominalism, which is revealed 
um, when something like this happens and no one needs to go to church for a while, you don't have to demonstrate that you went to church. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I don't know how much of that is true and how much of that is outrageous. I'm just speculating. And, and it did make me go away and think, like, what of this do I think is similar here? Mm. And what could we be learning from? And one comment that I thought was really good that he said was, um, and again, it's American context, but that discipleship will move back into the home. Like, we'll stop outsourcing discipleship of our children. And that, a couple mm. of people have said something similar recently in Ali Campbell in one of his tweets. And I've, it's kind of pulled me up short because I said, Jason, I'm a Christian leader. I invest in young people. I'm not sure that I've upped my game of discipling our children no. in lockdown, actually. Mm. I, I've been a bit of a hypocrite, really. So I think it is really interesting to think that none of this, I don't think anything will automatically happen as a result of COVID. Mm. But I think where we choose to make something happen, where we're provoked enough to say, okay we've got to do this then we'll make something happen like, and that that kind of irks me so it made me go no i need to do this better so it's interesting that's <laughs> been a very wide-ranging edition of the youthscape podcast we'll be back uh, same time next week we'll see you then <laughs>